comes to the Father, except through me. If you would pray with me. Holy Father, God, we are thankful for this morning. Um, God, we're thankful for the opportunity to be here. We're thankful um, just for your presence this morning, God. We just pray that, um, that you would just dwell with Brian today, that you would speak truth through him. Um, God, would you explain to us just what it means when you say that you are the only way and the only truth and the way to life. Um, God, we thank you that, that you have made that way possible. Lord, and so we pray these things in your son's name and for your glory. Amen. Good morning. So I always got to start with some kind of story. Um, you know, I do this as a profession, believe it or not, teach people. But Monday morning with sixth grade, best, best time to be in my class is first period on a Monday morning because it kind of hang out and kind of slowly move into what's going to be going on the rest of the week. So I get one shot at that every now and then here. So I got to start off slow. Uh, mad is not how I feel. It's a, a, a man, and we've been praying for him, uh, Mike Downey. And uh, there is a website, and I'm just going to say this, that you can get a hold of the Kellys. Uh, and I'm sure there's some several other people where you can, and the, the uh, Baldwins, where you can get online and just help their family out. Um, I think we're planning on buying a whole bunch of these t-shirts as a church and uh, have an amount for people to buy or just take. We're, we're going to provide... Um, the funds for it and then um, have them for as many of us as we can afford. Uh, but interesting interaction this morning out on the street. And, you know, I, I enjoy being out there, uh, usually with a handful of us guys waving and out there sort of just talking and hanging out. Because various people come by that aren't necessarily coming to church on their bicycles or walking and stop and what's going on here? And um, So a guy who I met yesterday for the first time, but a local guy, uh, comes by on his bicycle and we're talking for a while and um, he was actually here to meet the guy who made these shirts. He was going to drop some of them off, but I don't think he got around. But uh, we're talking for a while, and we invite him in, and um, he goes, oh, no, 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 no. You know, and he goes, I, I love what you guys are doing. I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I, I believe in church, and it's great and all that. And, uh, but I'm just not ready. And he looked at all, you know, all of us were standing, or you guys were drinking coffee and hanging out. He goes, that's just too many people. And, uh, so he said, well, you know what, whenever, and even if you want, just come, just stand Back by the trees, you don't need to get in that. Just, just, you're welcome. And if it's not today, some other day. And he goes, well, then we, then we started talking about the money with the shirts and all that. And he goes, well, is that, is that okay with the preacher? And, and Kelly was out there with us. And I said, well, he's the preacher and I'm preaching today. <laughs> and he's like, no way. <laughs> and, he, and he knows Brian, Kelly. And he goes, you're, you're, you're my neighbor. You're not a preacher. <laughs> he goes, yeah, yeah, I am. And I can't think of anything that actually describes our church almost better than that interaction. Just regular people coming by, um, maybe coming into church for the first time and feeling welcome, not overwhelmed by church life, whatever that is, and, uh, and just getting the gospel and just people loving and taking care of their community. So that was pretty cool, um, which actually will probably tie in, I hope, to... Uh, <laughs> I just thought that was neat and it ties into this. That's great. Uh, so here's my lesson. I, I actually, you, you know, I, not knowing always ahead of time, I'm sort of the substitute teacher. Um, and uh, not always with, with a lesson in mind, but I, I do tend, I've said this before, uh, sit and take notes on sometimes 
Brian says something when he's teaching or there's a worship song and it sets me off on a path that sometimes I end up with five or six stacks through the weeks of the little uh, um, handouts. Um, and so I, then I piece those together and that's what I did. And actually, was, uh, I went back, the oldest one on there that had the notes from this was back in June. It was like June 8th or something like that. And um, it was actually an interaction um, on the beach that led me to uh, what, what I'm going to try to teach about this morning. So and I'll get to that in a minute. But first I want to pray. And just uh, one of the things I want to pray is one of the verses from the song. Yes. Um, Tony to leave the lyrics up here, um, and this is what I want to pray and be on our minds while I teach. Uh, on the first song, where, and I lost it, oh, oh, and at your touch my sleeping spirit was awakened. And I just want to pray that any of us, myself included, if we have a sleeping spirit, that that gets awakened somehow, just by, you know, what this lesson is about is really going back to the pure basics of the gospel, and just kind of reminding us, refreshing us of just just the gospel uh, and what that is. So I just pray for spirits to be awakened if they've been asleep or lazy or calloused or, or wherever um, our hearts might be right now. So let me pray. So Father, I want to lift up the next 20, 25 minutes um, and just pray for your Holy Spirit, Lord, to breathe life into the words that come out of my mouth, Lord. And as uh, we trust and believe in your word that you will uh, speak clearly through it, Lord, as I present that. Um, I pray for our spirits to be awakened. Uh, if they are asleep, Lord, our, um, and our spirits maybe even to come alive for the first time. Um, and, if, and if we are alive and vibrant in our walk with you, Lord, that we would be encouraged even more so. Lord, to be people that live a life that is honoring to you, that blesses the people around us, and, um, and just really has a deep desire to be in deeper relationship with you, Lord. So we just give this over to you and ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I'm teaching sixth grade, I, every day, and we got a handful of teachers in here, uh, and I learned this a long time ago, I put I write the word objective on the board, and it says to identify the parts of fruit, which we're going to see in a few minutes, no, not yet. Uh, and uh, anyways, it's up there the whole time during the lesson. And maybe as you can tell <laughs> the way I do things up here, I could be teaching and a hand goes up and we go off talking about all kinds of things, usually related, but it's not necessarily the lesson. And I always come back going, that was better than the lesson. But we got to get back to the lesson. Let's see what the objective is. And it keeps, if anyone ever gets lost, you look back up there. Uh, if I do a lab, I'm a science teacher. Um, if we do a lab, sometimes the kids get a little confused in the workings of the activity. Like, what are we what are we doing? We're very busy and we're doing things, but what are we doing? And I'm trying to teach them. They're 10 and 11 years old. I teach sixth grade. Uh, I said, look, look at the board <laughs> and see where it says purpose. I just use that word for lab so they know the difference between a lesson and a lab. And look, look at what it says. And that will remind you of what this is really all about. Is keep coming back to the purpose. Um, every year as a lifeguard for the county and anybody else who has CPR cards and all that, we have to do rechecks. And because uh, you got to make sure if, if, if I'm not capable of swimming at the beach, um, I shouldn't be out there anymore. And I know one day that day will come. Uh, but you, you got to keep coming back to the, just the basics in order to carry out your job, the, the first aid and all those kinds of things. So the point of today is to kind of just bring us all back to the main objective, which is Christ. 
And, um, and like I said, this is what I was going to say about, um, so sitting on the beach, this is when this all began, sitting on the beach, early summer, lifeguarding, and listening to a couple of good friends, sifting through some of the stuff that C.S. Lewis wrote. And I'm like, I'm not as smart as these guys, uh, or well-read, I should say. Um, <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about, though, and I and and they're they're friends that I'm comfortable enough with. Wait, 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 tell me what that, tell me what does that word even mean? I don't know. I hear people saying that word. I've heard it for years, but usually I'm in a place where it's like that's not okay for me to ask that what that word even means, and I forget about it to look it up on my own. So and they and they're explaining things to me, and I go, oh, okay, oh, that's what. And they were they were talking about predestination at the time, and, and to me that always meant. And I don't want to get off on this. This is my bad tendency to do this, but. It didn't mean exactly what I thought it meant. There was much more to it than I thought. But it was getting very deep and kind of, like I said, I'm getting confused. One of my buddies is a little bit confused and twisted up in this thing. And, and then I thought about it for a while. I go, you know, if you read the Gospels, you're not going to find a lot of confusion in the Gospels. Okay? Now, I, I do not want to at any point say other parts of Scripture are not valid because they're confusing. Okay? And that's actually going to be the point of this. But if you just go to the pure basics of Christ and his claims and his work on the cross, you're not going to find a lot of really confusing theology in that. The theology that comes after is to build upon the simplicity of the gospel. So that's what I want to try to do is get us back to the simplicity of the gospel. So as we pursue all these other things, it just builds on, um, on, on that deep relationship that we want to um, cultivate with Christ. Uh, I think another context uh, where I find maybe myself getting sort of lost from losing the main objective is just in church life. Really, all good stuff, but getting very churchy about things. Maybe, uh, maybe even talking, like, like I just even confessed, sometimes talking about things I don't fully understand. Uh, and having, having just the honesty, you know, again, I was in a really safe place. I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe home groups would be a great place for some of us to sift through some of these things. But just being... You know, I, I can't think of a better word. Uh, I know some might say religiosity or religious. I'm just use the word churchy, where where just the traditions override um, just our, our our basic relationship with Christ. And so I can get lost in that, um, and not just being me and myself. So like that interaction out on the street, we're just talking with this guy, and and, and actually, as you know, as I think about it, I go, that's cool that he didn't recognize that there's a pastor out there because he didn't doesn't talk pastor talk, whatever that is. Just talks like a regular guy who lives down the street. But he loves God and he preaches the word. Pretty cool. So, um, so when we find ourselves just following in these patterns and we don't really know why, sometimes we're losing sight of the main objective. Um, so there's a lot of these things that can trip us up. They're good things. But like I said, if we, uh, if we go back to the Gospels, the basic, which is the basic foundation of our faith, it's pretty hard to get confused. So, here's my science lesson for the day. So, we have a piece of fruit. I'm going to walk over here. Ooh, movement. <laughs> movement up front. Uh, I don't know if Tony Hotchkiss is here. I know he's a plant guy. And I think, actually, Mike Gardner's got a degree in horticulture or something like that. Right? Am I close? Yeah. So, he knows this. Or if you, if, if, <laughs> or if you took high school biology. Um, but this came to mind, again, like I said, I, I, sometimes I assemble these things um, and I'm sitting in the back of something at school and all of a sudden I, it's like, oh, the thing I've been thinking about is like a piece of fruit. So um, the exocarp, 
is the skin. This is a type of fruit called a drupe, which is basically a type of fruit, has a single pit, a thin skin, exocarp, uh, fleshy, as they call it, um, mesocarp, the sugary, a lot of water and sugar in there, and then the pit, called the endocarp, and then seed. The life-giving part of this is the seed. There's actually life in that seed. If you go back in the history of the piece of fruit, come, and this is what I tell my kids, it's like it's a, a flower that's producing fruit, is, it's a pregnant flower. There's a baby growing inside there. So as you look at a little, say like a lemon blossom and that lemon starts to grow, I said that flower is pregnant right now. It got pollinated and they actually use, in biology, use words like there's, there is a sperm cell and there is an ovule and those are the words used and it develops in the seed. So here's what I want to suggest to us is that that seed is our relationship with Christ. It's at the core of who we are. All the other stuff, the pit that protects that, the fruit, the, the, meso, the mesocarp, the, the, you know, when we think of the fruit and eating the fruit, that nourishes it. And then the skin is just that outside protection. So in nature, the point of that, this basic design, that thing falls to the ground. So this is not us taking it, picking it and eating it and taking it to the market. It falls to the ground. It rots. And as it rots, it puts nutrients in the soil. As those nutrients are given and in, put into the soil, the seed has its, its early needs met as it begins to grow and can start doing its own thing by doing photosynthesis. Um, or a bird comes, maybe a smaller piece of fruit, be a big bird to swallow that pit, but a bird comes and eats it and carries that fruit away in its stomach, digesting it, and I'll just use my sixth grade word, poops it out somewhere. <laughs> uh, and with that, there's fertilizer, there's the remains of the fruit and the pit, and it grows. So the life, the life of that piece of fruit, like in us, that life is in Christ, and everything else around it are, I want to say, kind of like extras, okay? Things like church and studying deep theology, uh, even our home groups, giving, Bible studies, all that stuff. It's like, it's like the fruit that's going to nourish that seed. Now, you can go to the market and get seedless fruits now. Those have been fruits that have been manipulated to basically be sterile. And uh, so you got a lot of nice things, but there's no like life in the middle of it. So just kind of a warning, a reminder to us all is the fruit is good stuff. It's good stuff. Going to church is a good thing. Okay? Um, being part of a home group, learning how to pray, as Beek's been teaching the last few weeks, uh, being part of uh, Bible study groups, even on your own, praying, all good stuff. But if it's like a seedless watermelon, I know it has those little seeds, but they're sterile, there's no real life inside of it. So that's the thing I want to pursue this morning is re-identifying what that life is. Uh, so without these things, oh, sorry, but without those things, the seed's going to die. So you need these, you need the fruit. Uh, when that fruit goes in the ground, if there's no, if the, sorry, if the seed goes in the ground, there's no fruit to nourish it, it's going to die. So we need these things. We need the home groups. We need church life. We need worship and serving and doing all those things. Uh, because without that, that seed within us actually dies. So it's kind of this neat little balance, but we just uh, got to remember what's at the core of the things that we're doing and saying and being. All right? So, the gospel. I'm going to read a few things. And this, some of this might be new. Some of this might be... And you know what? If this is old, old stuff, if you grew up with this, 
I did too. That's great. Because even as I was reading this, I was like, oh, yes. The plain old simple gospel. And so I've got three things I'm going to read. One is uh, just the highlights. Just, just kind of an overview. All right, so hopefully this doesn't... So listen intently, even though it's just myself reading. And then there's two things that are very curious. And one is the prophecies, the Old Testament, speaking ahead of Jesus and who he is and who he said he was going to be, and then his own claims. And then lastly, how do we respond to all of that? So bear with me as I read something here. So it says, some people claim he is a great teacher for identifying Jesus. Some claim he's a great teacher. Others think he's a prophet. Some dismiss him as a liar or even a madman. Millions hail him as Savior and Lord. Whatever people think of Jesus Christ, nobody can deny that he stands at the very center of human history. The biblical record of his life shows that Jesus was born to a virgin, lived a sinless life, taught through Palestine, throughout Palestine for about three years, and was crucified and then rose back to life three days after his death. The Bible claims that more than 500 people saw Jesus alive after, his mirac after this miraculous event. How could a mere man have lived such a life? The miracles Jesus performed, his death on a cross, his resurrection, his ascent into heaven, all point to the fact that he was no ordinary teacher. Hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, prophets predicted his coming. The Old Testament, written by many people over a period of 1,500 years, contains more than 300, and I'm not going to read all 300, I'm going to read a handful, uh, more than 300 prophecies about him. All of these details came true, including Jesus' miraculous birth, sinless life, his many miracles, and his death and resurrection. By his own account, Jesus claimed that he had the power to forgive sins, to cast out demons, and determine people's eternal destiny. He even declared that he himself was God. Curious conversation a while back with a neighbor. Very, uh, I want to say eclectic, a collection of beliefs and thoughts. Is that the right word? Okay. Uh, Jesus never claimed to be God. I go, well, you haven't ever read the Bible then, because he does many times, claims to be God. And so um, it was just curious because someone who hasn't taken the time to really investigate will come up with lots of misconceptions and misunderstandings of who Jesus is. So let me continue. Declaring that he was God so angered the religious and political leaders of the, his day that they had him crucified. They buried him in a borrowed grave, and three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus is what makes Christianity unique and radically different from Hinduism, Buddhism, Confucianism, Shintoism, Judaism, and Islam. In fact, the validity of Christianity hinges on the proof of the resurrection of Jesus. If the resurrection never took place, then the Christian faith is based on a lie, and people have no true hope for life after they die. But if it is true, then we can do nothing else but accept Jesus as Savior and Lord and receive his gift of love and forgiveness. Throughout the centuries, most of the scholars who have considered the proofs of the resurrection have believed and still believe that Jesus is alive. So, a little overview, if you're not familiar with Jesus' just a general, general statement of who he is. In the Old Testament, the book of Job was written in about, I believe, 1500 B.C. And that's the oldest book in the Bible. Uh, when you open your Bible and turn to Genesis, that's not the first. It's chron chronological, as far as telling the story of God's people. 
But Job is the oldest book, and it was written about 1500 BC. And the newest book, uh, Malachi, written about 400 BC. So in that stretch of time, over 300 prophecies about Jesus, who he, who he just about the coming Messiah. I'm just going to read a few. Uh, this would be, if you're really curious, and maybe you haven't heard this before, this would be so worth your while to take a little bit of time and look up some of these things on your own. Um, I'm going to rattle through them. Uh, so, but again, I want to encourage or invite you to uh, take a look at some of these things on your own, if you are, especially if you are searching. That he would be a descendant of Abraham, uh, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs of Israel. Uh, the Messiah's birth would take place in Bethlehem, born of a virgin. Infants would be slaughtered as a result of his birth. Jesus, the Son of God, would escape into Egypt as a child, spend time there. He would minister in Galilee, so in location. He would be rejected by his own people. He would enter, this is kind of an interesting one, Daniel, it actually, um, and I forget the name of the prophecy, but when he, when he actually enters Jerusalem on, on a donkey, uh, it has it down to the day, which is very cool. Um, the time of that entry is prophesied to the very day. It's in Daniel 9, just if you're as curious as I am about that. Just to the day, that's crazy. And I don't know what year Daniel was written, but um, hundreds of years before. Uh, Jesus would be betrayed by a close friend. He'd be sold for 30 pieces of silver. And the money would be returned. So all these little things. And like I said, there's like 300 of these little, these are little fine details. Written by many. <laughs> Old Testament written by, from seminary, I don't, I'm going to say 40-ish people, lots. But over, over like well over 1,000 years. And then, and the earliest one being 400 years before Christ's birth. So prophecies fulfilled about Jesus. So. Who does he say he is? So his own claims about himself. Christ claimed to live a sinless life. These are his claims. Him speaking of himself. So through the Gospels. Christ claimed to have a sinless life. He claimed to be the only way. Claimed to have shared the glory of God in heaven. He knows heaven. He's been there. He resided there. He claimed to be able to forgive sins. It was what blowing, blowing the Pharisees away. Who are you to be able to forgive sins? Claim to be a heavenly king. Claim to be able to give ever, everlasting life. Claim that he would die and come back to life. Claim that he would return again to judge the world. So, his claims... Um, give me one second here, sorry. Uh, his claims are pretty clear. And so... Uh, if, if you've thought or someone addresses you and says, well, Jesus never, he's just a great teacher, he's a philosopher. Well, if he's a great teacher and a philosopher, let's see what he says about himself. And he claims to be God, the Son of God. Uh, here's an interesting C.S. Lewis uh, interaction here. It says, in his famous book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis makes this statement. A man, was, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. So if he's, just, if he's not the son of God and saying the things he said and making the claims that he made, he would not be a great moral teacher. He would actually be a liar. And this is who we put our faith in. 
he would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg, or he would be the devil of hell, misleading people. You must take your choice. Either this was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come in any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left us open to that. He has not left that open to us. It's not an option. Jesus could have only been one of four things. A legend, liar, lunatic, or the Lord and God. There's, there's so much historical and archaeological evidence to support his existence that every reputable historian agrees that he was not just a legend. If Jesus were a liar, he would have he, why would he die for that claim And when, when he would have easily avoided such a cruel death with, with a few choice words? And if he were a lunatic, how did he engage in intelligent debates with his opponents or handle the stress of his betrayal and crucifixion without continuing to show a deep love for his antagonist? Christ said he was Lord and God. The evidence supports that claim. So, that's who we are. We are ones who choose to trust that man, Jesus Christ, and put our faith in him for our eternal existence, both the little things and the big things. So all the really cool things that we do, I love this church. I love those interactions like out on the street. All of that stuff though, it's really good stuff. It's what keeps Christ's life in me alive. But the life within me is Christ. It's not the church. It's not my home group. I love my home group. We just met for the first time. I'm like, just like, wow, this is, we, we use the word refreshment. I can't wait. I feel, I feel like it's a group of people that we're going to refresh one another. Pretty excited about that. But like we even talked about that night, it's all about the core within each one of us, that seed, Jesus Christ. Um, so, last part. How do, we, how do you respond to this? It's like, maybe, you know, especially if you haven't heard this for the, you know, if this is the first time you've heard, heard this. One is recognizing our need for Christ. Like what, okay, he, he, claimed, he claimed to have the ability to forgive sin. He claims to give us access to the Father of Heaven. So, first thing, we just re recognize our need for Him. You know, I've, I've, been, I've been, whatever words we want to use, walking with the Lord, accepted Jesus in my life, way back when I was about 13, I was in ninth, ninth grade. And I still recognize, maybe even more, you know, I feel like as I get older, I'm recognizing more and more, my, my it's like... Maybe I have just more stuff to cause me to stumble, cause me to walk away from him. Um, but recognizing my need for him more and more. So the first thing is just recognize the fact I need help. I can't, I'm not going to survive life. I'm not going to survive eternity without Jesus Christ. Second thing would be I'm going to choose. It is a willful choice. I'm going to choose to put my faith in him. I'm going to choose to believe his claims. And, and, and even if, you know, and I've been in this place a lot of times. I don't even understand every bit of this. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm far from a scholar. So I don't, there's things I don't understand. But I choose to trust. And as I learn, kind of like those hundreds of things I don't understand, bit by bit they fall. It's like, oh, I get it now. I understand that. But I al already made the choice that I'm going to learn and trust in uh, Christ and put 
put my faith in him, not just for the little things, not my financial needs. I mean, not just, yes, my financial needs, not just my financial needs, but my family life, my work life, my health, my friends, but in the biggest of things, which is my eternity. I'm gonna, from littlest to biggest, I'm putting my faith in him. Third response would probably be worship. He claims to be God. And love worship, it's beautiful. These guys are awesome. We just never want to lose sight of what we're doing when we worship. We're, we're, we're giving thanks. We're honoring. We're putting Jesus up on a pedestal right where he belongs. He is God. And then last thing, just in the list that I created, is we develop a deeper, meaningful relationship with him. So back where we started, waking up our spirit and having a hunger to pursue him. And so here's what's kind of curious about this. Developing that relationship with him, you know what I need? I need church, and I need a home group, and I need Bible study, and I need worship. I need all those things that, if you misunderstood me at any moment, I was not saying are things that aren't good. We need those things. But the reason why we need those things is to develop that relationship, make that seed grow within us. That's the real life, and not get lost in those things. So, like I said, when this all came to my mind early in the summer, I just, it, it, and it might just be me, I felt like, you know what, I need a little bit of a reset button or reminder of what the objective on the board was, because uh, it's really, I work in a Christian school, real involved with church and people from church, and that's kind of my life, and it's just the more, it's almost like in that world, it's really easy to lose sight of the main objective, and so um, it was kind of neat during the summer, I just read through a couple of Gospels, and just, just it's, you know, just pure and simple, reading, reading Jesus' words. And uh, I think there's, for, for a lot of us, it's, it's, it's fun, it's stimulating, it's encouraging, and it's growth to pursue deeper things. You know, Paul talks about us not always wanting to live on milk, but get to the meat. And we do need to do that and get into deeper things of God. But the purpose of those deeper things is to encourage that inner growth of the simple things. Just Christ in our hearts. So, let me pray, and uh, we'll finish this up. So, Lord, I thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus, that you are God. You became man. You loved us so much that you chose to do that. Explain to us the ways of the Father, the character of the Father, and then chose to die on a cross for our sins. But then you rose again, and you sit with the Father, and you intercede for us. You are that bridge that bridges us and the Father. In uh, Hebrews 7, it says that Jesus provides us access to the Father. And like, Brian Kelly's been teaching. When we go into prayer, it's through Jesus' name that gives us access even to that throne room of God so that those prayers are heard. So Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for myself and anybody like me who maybe just uh, over the years that becomes almost stale. And um, Lord, I pray you breathe fresh new life into it. Or like that song we sang this morning. And for maybe others who never heard this, um, Lord, that you would stir in their hearts, Lord, to, to just make that choice of whether they fully understand or not.
to trust you with the littlest and the biggest things in life. I thank you for our church, and I pray that we would always be a place that encourages the growth of each person's personal relationship with you. Lord, that we would always be a people who respond to the needs of our community and just continue to be who we are. And I pray that who we are continues to change as we become more like you. Um, and that just the world around sees you when they see us. So be with us now as we finish up with some worship. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.